Why do our leaders betray their mandate? Why is there no accountability for the actions of the Netas? How on earth do political parties take a blatantly treacherous stance and get away with it so easily? Does democracy really mean the rule of the people, for the people and by the people, as the cliché goes? Or is it still the rule of the elite with some crumbs thrown to the ordinary citizens to keep their mouths shut? We are in the middle of the election season. A lot of pompous words are used to describe the business of casting votes. It is described variously as a festival, a carnival or the dance of democracy. India, our news anchors never fail to mention, is the largest democracy in the world. All that is fine and dandy and worth celebrating even. Not for a moment am I suggesting that democracy is not good for us. But what I want to do is to explore what it really means to cast a vote in India and if the current system in India is the best that we can aspire for. Sadly, in the ever-worsening political climate in the country, these fundamental questions are treated just like how the Indian state treats Kashmiri Hindus. They pretend that such questions don't exist. Be that as it may, let us first understand democracy not from the perspective of the ordinary citizens, but the leaders, who those kind-hearted souls who put their time, effort and money to get elected to serve the people of the country, foremost among whom are they themselves. According to the ingenious theory of Bruce Bionos the Mosquita, a great political thinker of our times, there is not much that distinguishes a dictatorship from a democracy when it comes to the logic of how rulers rule, that is, how they capture and retain power. According to Mosquita, the political landscape as seen through the eyes of the ruler can be divided into three groups of people, the interchangeables, the influencers and the essentials. All that a ruler needs to do to win and to keep winning is to keep the essentials in good humour. Essentials are those supporters without whom the leader cannot win. So as far as the ruling class is concerned, a democratic polity differs from a dictatorship only to the extent of the size of the essentials category, which consists of a handful of cronies in a dictatorship and a very large number of individuals in a democracy. Therefore, Keeping the essentials happy is relatively straightforward for a dictator but an onerous task for a democratic leader. In India, anyone having a voter card is automatically a part of the interchangeable group, which includes most adult citizens. If you vote on election day, you are an influencer. And if you happen to be someone that the winning political party has tried to woo, like say a person belonging to a certain religion or a particular caste, you belong to the elite group of essentials. Essentials is another name for vote bank. Let me explain. Suppose there are 100 seats in the parliament of India and for each seat there are 5 candidates competing. It would be reasonable to expect a candidate to win with just one-fifth or 20% of the casted votes. In the parliament, the winning party would need at least 50 seats to form a majority government which means that a person from a party with only 10% of the national share, that is 20% of 50, could become the Prime Minister of India. Now let us imagine a scenario where 20% of Indians, distributed more or less uniformly across the country, want India to dissolve its army and merge with Pakistan. All that a party would need to do to come to power is to advocate the dissolution of the armed forces and acquire the loyalty of these 20% peace lovers. Wait, 
Isn't this exactly what is happening in India? Yes, but fortunately, too many parties have discovered this trick and are lining up for these 20% votes. You may remember that when Narendra Modi became the Prime Minister of India, many intellectuals suddenly realized that he had just 31% of the vote share. They reminded the country that two out of three voters had rejected him and thus he had no business occupying that prized chair. Of course, this was a mendacious argument, but it points to a problem worth solving in a spirit of non-partisanship. So what exactly can be done? For starters, the debate about the nature of the Indian democracy must be rekindled and fundamental questions raised again, just as they were at the time of independence. Karl Popper suggested in an essay that instead of asking the question, who should rule, the problem of democracy must be reformulated as how is the state to be constituted so that bad rulers can be got rid of without bloodshed and without violence. This is a much more honest approach that does not mislead us by blurring the very real distinction between direct democracy as practiced in, let's say, the Lichavi Janapada in ancient India and the representative democracy in modern India. Popper favors the two-party system as practiced in Britain and the United States as he believes that such a system encourages a continual process of self-criticism by the two parties. Another benefit of the two-party system is that the essentials category is enlarged and vote bank manipulation becomes more difficult. Another way to minimize the downside of representative democracy is to get rid of the first-past-the-post voting in which you vote for just one candidate. This is the system that is currently followed in India and has been greatly misused by political parties to create fault lines in the society based on caste. When a vote goes exclusively to one candidate, it is in effect a rejection of all other candidates. And when appeals for vote are made based on identity, the political manipulation of identities is how elections are won. Further, because of the size of the essentials, which is diminished now, the nature of polity is closer to a dictatorship than a democracy. Because the elected representative will only work to please a very small number of people. An alternative system could be developed that allows for people to state their second, third and fourth choice of candidate, such that more nuance in the voter's preference is allowed for. A radically different approach suggested by some thinkers is a total abolishment of the party system. You vote for the best candidate, the elected candidates elect their chief, there is no party, no big spending, no nonsense. This method has its own downside and is more suited for local body elections. If we introduce political parties at the village level governance, they are sure to create friction and rifts among the people. But such a system cannot work at the national level because of the complex demands of national and international politics. The current crisis of Indian democracy is characterized by a total collapse of credibility of the political parties. The opposition is especially in tatters and resorting to outright treason just to please their tiny vote bank. The country is being pushed towards a civil war and it needs a major political reform if it is to retain the status of being the world's largest democracy. Will anyone bell the cat? Upward is a people's movement and we are trying our best to educate, to empower and to bring information that you find valuable. Support us and donate generously.